Everybody loves to hear good news and a true story. Life's Been Different is a podcast that shares people's testimonies, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and how he changes lives. We believe that this podcast will influence you to live life differently by becoming a follower of Jesus. As you listen to messages straight from heaven and hear radical stories from everyday people whose lives have been made different by Jesus. So get ready to open your heart and encounter him and go and tell the world why your life's been different. Welcome to the Life's Been Different podcast. My name is Merlo, and I'm so glad you're with us today. If you haven't listened to the message titled, Life's Been Different, I would like to encourage you to check it out and share it with as many people as possible, for it is the story of how Jesus radically changed my life and is the Life's Been Different message. Also, we will be releasing a new episode every Wednesday, so don't forget to subscribe. This podcast will have three types of episodes. One will be the simple gospel preached. The second will be messages relating to the promised land or inheriting your place of promise. Or you could say receiving all that God has for you. The promised land is a type of salvation and is the title of my first single, Promised Land. In addition to myself, for these first two categories, we have the privilege and honor of partnering with trusted pastors from my home church, The Rock. I am undone by the privilege of sharing alongside these pastors and whom I serve, serve with, and am led by. The third will be testimonies from ordinary people telling the extraordinary story of how Jesus radically changed their life and why their life's been different. In today's podcast, we are going to encounter when the grace of the gospel is first revealed as we are asked a simple question, where are you? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3 as we read together the first 12 verses. As you turn, let's do the Bible declaration. We do this at my home church every week and it's something I truly believe to my core. Ready? Go. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. And Lord, I do open my heart today. I come to you as a yielded vessel, empty and wide open, ready to be filled. My life is not my own. I was bought at a price. Search me and know me, Lord. Examine my heart and correct my motives. Here am I, your humble servant. Take my life and use it as you please and make me a fisher of men. In Jesus' name. Okay, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. We are going to be reading in the New Kings James Version. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat from every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, 
that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Have you ever noticed how a little child can run naked through a room full of strangers, carefree and without embarrassment? They are unaware, and no one around them cares. They have no clue that if they were only a few years older, it would be completely inappropriate. They are innocent and loved. In the same way, Adam and Eve were unaware in their innocence, living in the beauty of the garden. We were all children once, roaming in this massive world, innocently playing with toys as we continually learn about life with personalities forming. Day after day we are exposed to more and more of what the world has to offer, and we begin to make decisions separate from our parents. Let's look back and kind of go line by line from this passage in Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? This is a loaded question by Satan, and temptation is birthed, bringing doubt. Temptation isn't sin. Following through with the temptation, that is sin. It's brilliant that Satan came to Eve by asking, Did God really say? This instantly brought confusion because Eve wasn't there or even created when God gave the initial command to Adam not to eat from the tree. Adam must have had a conversation with Eve informing her of what God said. God gave the command back in Genesis chapter 2, 16 and 17, and God created Eve after he created all the animals in Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. Then Satan puts this very sly word in the question. Every. Has God indeed said, questioning what God said, then he said, Shall you not eat of every tree of the garden? And we, like Eve, doubt what God really said and what God meant by what he said, which leads us to question what God's motives are. If we don't have first hand experience with what God said, if we don't read our Bibles for ourselves, and have first-hand communication with Jesus, but instead live our lives based on second-hand communication, as in only listening to others, watching snippets of sermons, and basing our Christianity on how other Christians are and live, if we only go to church maybe once a week 
to hear about God through a preacher's first-hand experience with Jesus, trying to make that our own experience, then we are subject to this same conversation with Satan in our minds. When we don't really know what God said, we question what God meant by what He said, leading us to question His motives and thus thinking that we know a better way. And then that word every comes in. We start to think that God is keeping something from us. In other words, you could have more. You could have it all. Eve, you could eat from every tree in the garden. All that this world has to offer is yours. Doing it God's way is boring. It's limiting. There's more pleasure for you when you take all that this life has to offer. God doesn't want you to have it all. He's holding you back from the best tree. God is holding you back from a good thing, holding you back so that you don't have to be dependent on Him. Do you see this twisted thinking? Instant selfish ambition creeps in. Is being a Christian really all that it's intended to be? Does following Jesus Christ really work? And because we don't truly know what God said, we begin to add to what He said. Verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. God never said not to touch the tree. He just commanded Adam not to eat from the tree. And now what God said unfolds. First, Satan questioned what God said. Then he builds off what Eve said. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The adding of her saying that they couldn't touch it is important because Satan told her she wouldn't die. So when she touched it and didn't die, it led her to think, Well, if I eat it, I won't die either. This is so like us. If we do it the world's way for a bit and nothing happens, then we'll be good, right? We can see how adding to God's word is dangerous. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. This happened to me. Social media. The world system and the culture of hip-hop consumed me. I had leaders and people telling me not to go down the path I was going, but I was curious about the fame and didn't know God's word. I was thinking, they just don't want me to be successful because they don't think I could make it. Questioning their motives. They're just trying to hold me back. God is holding me back. Following Jesus is keeping me from the life that I want to live. So when I saw how fun it was to be a rapper through social media, the music I was listening to, and those around me, I took from the tree and ate the fruit. I saw that it was good for me. The celebrity lifestyle is fun. There's money, women, and power through influence. A life desirable to make me wise and rich. Before I knew it, I was dressing like, talking like, and acting like who the world was telling me to be. I was making music, and though playing massive shows and hanging out with all my favorite celebrities, 
I was saying things and was a part of a lifestyle that was all just a figment of my imagination. Fame, attention, lust, drugs, and money. The celebrity lifestyle of the rich and famous became my pursuit. It was all I thought about. Sin was consuming my life. And then we get to verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. The deeper I got in sin and in the music industry, the more shame I would feel. Day after day, anger was building. All of my friends would call me a hothead. More women, more clothes, more vulgar lyrics and lying in music and social media to portray this image of me having money and getting famous. And though things were happening and I was gaining the attention from the industry, I was just hiding behind this image that I had to sustain. At night, if I would even go home and not sleep on the streets or a girl's or a homie's house in the hood, I would be empty, seeking to be something on my own. This promise of becoming wise was untrue. Instead, it brought me, like Adam and Eve, shame, guilt, and embarrassment. All I could do was hide and make coverings to hide myself and my image. The issue at heart is identity. I didn't know who I was. That's why I was attaching myself to what I thought I wanted. Maybe that's what you're doing. If I could do it the world's way and disobey, then God knows I will be like him. I can be like God. I can make it and create my own image in life. Instead of being made in his image, I can create my own. But I never stopped to ask myself, why in the world would I follow the world and let it create my image when I can follow the person who created the world and whose image I was created? You see, Satan actually twisted the goal. He said that you will be like God. It isn't wrong to desire to be like God. That's the goal of being a Christian, to follow Jesus every day and become more and more like him. To become like God is humanity's highest goal. Satan led Eve down the wrong path, the goal that they were supposed to achieve. To become like God isn't the same as trying to become God. We are to reflect the character of Jesus and realize his lordship and authority over our lives. Everyone, like me, has a worthy goal, but we choose the wrong route to achieve it. It's not in disobeying God that you will become like God. It's in obeying God that you will become like God. Jesus said, follow me, hang out with me, spend all of your time with me. Why? Because you are who you hang out with. That's what it means and what it looks like to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, his disciple. This is his strategy. It's not that you become someone new though. You start to unbecome who you thought you were and become who you were always created to be. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, works that he prepared beforehand that we may walk in them. Self-exaltation is rebellion against God. As soon as we leave God out of our plans and don't keep Jesus in the center, we begin to go down the path Satan wants us to go. That's the path that I went. That's the path that I went. Maybe that's the path you're on. And so I found myself in a cold, dark cell block in Texas, alone, lonely, and angry. Nothing was working out for me. I was only getting so far. 
I wasn't truly fitting in, grasping for acceptance, working hard to create something for myself, to build myself up and make it, to have an image. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to turn to. I was in hiding. And that's when God enters back in the scene. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. Oh, how this is our common response. Adam hid because he thought God was going to come down and judge and kill him in a harsh way because he said that Adam would surely die if he ate from the tree. Adam didn't know what was going on. He didn't know what was happening. He didn't understand. Sin brought shame and fear and instant detachment of relationship with God. The process of his spiritual death had begun and he had lost fellowship with God. And yet God in his grace, comes walking, strolling along in his garden, seeking for his son and daughter, his friends, and gracefully asks, Adam, where are you? Oh, when I was reading this account, I began to weep at this question. Where are you? This is the first time the grace of the gospel is revealed. God is taking the initiative and seeking the sinner becomes the pattern of the rest of the Bible and life. For God so loved the world that he gave, or that he sent Jesus to seek out the sinner and bring them back to himself. Jesus came to seek and save people separated from God because of their sin. This question, where are you, reveals two things. God wanting to have a relationship with us, and the reason why we don't want to have a relationship with him. God is all-knowing. He already knows where we are, yet He comes to have fellowship with us. We hide because we think we can hide from Him. We are ashamed to tell Him something He already knows because we forget that He already knows. God already knew they sinned. He knew where Adam was, and yet He still came because He loves us and He loves you. And you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, that's the devil, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Adam was the first person to reveal that we can have an intimate relationship with God, showing us that we can have one through Jesus, walking and talking with God. God is omnipresent and omniscient. God is all-seeing. He is everywhere and knows everything. God was not asking where Adam was locationally, but conditionally. In other words, now that you have sinned, where are you now? 
where do you find yourself now? If you honestly assess your situation, where has it led you? Can you see how bad it's gotten? I'm coming to ask you, hey, how's that working out for you? So after doing it your own way, how does it feel? This is where he spoke to me in jail. Okay, Merlo, you tried it your own way. You experienced the fame and the lights and the lifestyle you wanted so badly. You left all your friends, shamed your family. You're alone, angry, and lonely in a cold, dark cell block in Texas with murderers and criminals. Is your striped jumpsuit better than the stripes that I took for you? Merlo, look where you are. Where are you now? Merlo, where are you? God is coming, walking along, and asking you right now. Where are you? Whoever you are, and however you're listening to this podcast. Son and daughter, where are you? Then we get to verse 10. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree from which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. What they're saying is, and what we say is, God, the world that you created, the world you put me in, they said it was good. They said to follow them. So it's your fault I am where I am. Does this sound familiar? God, you gave me this woman. You created her to be with me. You put me in this world. So the situation that I'm in has nothing to do with the decisions that I've made. God, it's all your fault. And we begin to blame God for everything. God gave Adam a chance to repent, but Adam didn't. He blamed Eve and he blamed God. In this, we see two major themes. One, God is personal and redemptive. And two, man is sinful. If we don't understand these two things, then we will not fully understand the Bible. Or we can go as far to say, Jesus, who is the Word, and God, and all that He has done for us. So God is asking, where are you? He's given you a chance to repent and come back to Him. Like in verse 11. God gives Adam the opportunity to confess, and now is your opportunity to confess, and run to the Father and tell Him where you have been, what you have been doing, and how it's made you feel. To realize that it's time to make a change and to do something about it. To finally say, God, I've been wrong. I've been doing it my own way. I give up. I repent. Maybe you're saying, what do I do? How do I turn to God? What does that even mean? The Bible says in Luke 3.8 in the Passion Translation, Turn away from your sin, turn to God, and prove it by a changed lifestyle. Maybe you know or have heard of Jesus. Maybe you've wanted to, but never fully gave Him a chance. Or maybe you did give Him a chance once, but your commitment didn't match His. Maybe you're like me. And you grew up associated with Jesus, but never fully got to know Him because you didn't spend time with Him or turn to Him. Today, Jesus, the all-seeking God, is coming to you and asking you, Where are you? 
tell him, and jump out of the plane with no parachute. Decide in your mind to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. Be all in and never look back. And you will be pulled from darkness and into his marvelous light. From this moment forward, instead of letting the world and those around you tell you who you are, begin to let Jesus tell you who you are. You are a son or a daughter. You are the righteousness of God in him. You are free and a child of God. You are clean, holy, worthy, wanted, and chosen. You have been made right with God. You are his friend. You are who he came to be with. He gave his life for you. Death nor life nor people or circumstances, or things that have happened to you, or things that will happen to you. No height or depth or anything created will be able to separate you from His love. Fully acknowledge Him. Jesus is real. When I caught this, I left everything behind. I began deleting all my music. I changed my phone number. I distanced myself from everyone and unfollowed everyone on social media and started following Jesus. A complete U-turn. I started heading in the opposite direction. I turned from my sin. I turned to God. And I've been proving it by my changed lifestyle. Total surrender. True repentance. You see, it's not that you need to know who you are in life. You need to understand who you are in Christ. The more you get to know Jesus, the more you get to know yourself. Because you can't meet Jesus face to face and stay the same. Everything changes from within inside out. It's an inside out work. You begin to unlearn your old self and get to know your true self. Why? Because you are who you hang out with. That's why you gotta get to Jesus. Just get to Jesus. Immediately, when you receive Jesus, you become what's called born again or born from above. Your spirit goes from being dead to being alive, detached from God to attached to God, from outside of the family to inside of the family, apart from Jesus to in Christ Jesus and Him and you. It's amazing. A new creation, a fresh start, born again. Behold, see it this way. Take hold of this. Grasp and understand it. Let it sink deep into your heart. You have been made new. I had been made new. I had come to a decision. And life's been different ever since. And it can be for you too. Let your perspective on who Jesus Christ is change. Listen, this is the absolute truth. Jesus Christ is all and in all. The word of the Lord. The word made flesh. God walking in the garden seeking his friend, his son, and his daughter. The image of the invisible God. And in him dwells the fullness of God. He is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. The divine portrait and the true likeness of the invisible God. He is before all things and in him all things consist. He is God who was and is and is to come, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end, the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Prince of Peace, Almighty Creator God, the Lord of Lords, the Lord of Hosts, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, the visible image of the invisible God. Listen, your response is your responsibility. And what is the response? The response is to repent 
confess sin and confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not that of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, not of anything you can do, not of your own effort, not of trying to reach sinless perfection or being the best person you could be. For if it was, then you would have the option to boast. But it's not. It's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, and death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. But there was a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to us being right with God, even though we were guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. We are all born in sin. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. And this other person is Jesus Christ. God's law was given so that all people can see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them into death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is good news. So, where are you? Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus is saying, Come from where you are and follow me. For I did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. 
I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. My friends, this life is found in Jesus. And when we receive Jesus Christ our Lord, we begin walking with God in the garden with newness of life. That's life's been different. It's a newness of life. A life of peace, joy, and abundance. And if you open yourself and decide to meet Him the way I met Him, I promise you, life will be different for you too. Because whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So what do we do next? Do we keep on sinning so God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with Him in His death, we will also be raised to life as He was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. We know we will live with Him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over Him. When He died, He died once to break the power of sin. But now that He lives, He lives for the glory of God. So that you should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to its sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become instruments of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. Now your life's been different. So where are you? Whether you're repenting and giving your life wholly to Jesus for the first time, or you're a mature Christian. We should always be assessing where we are. We should always be hearing God's still voice asking us, Where are you? This is the seeking God. This is the heart of the Father. This is Jesus. And if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, the gospel of Jesus Christ, of which I, Merlo, have become a servant, then decide. And like for me that day, today is your day, the day of salvation. For I know that I know that I know the day I met the creator of the universe face to face. I know the day I got saved and truly repented, the day I met Jesus and began to follow him for the rest of my life, because my life's been different ever since. You're one decision away. Or maybe you're ready to finally make your all-in commitment. Decide and begin to live life differently by becoming a follower of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Life's Been Different podcast. For more information on Life's Been Different, our clothing and resources, music by Merlot, or OSL, the online discipleship course by Solid Lives, visit lifespindifferent.com. Hey, if you haven't received Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior, we would like to give you the opportunity right here, right now. Let's pray together. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that he was raised from the dead and is alive today. Forgive me of my sins. Make me completely clean. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and help me become the person you created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, congratulations. Welcome to the kingdom. Jesus is real. Turn from your sin, turn to him, and go and tell the world why your life's been different.